Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The big thing about the service, if you look at our opening season, you look at the opening page, and this is what struck me the first this week. It says, Sir, Jesus says, give, she says, give me this water, and she's given a cup of water to Jesus. But you know what? In the text, Jesus never gets that cup of water. You never should. Jesus is sitting there talking about this water, and she keeps she keeps changing the subject and going on to new things and diverting his attention, and he's just like water. And he never. She's like never gives him this water. Our not so Puritan friend, Miss Samaritan, never does hand over the water bottle at any point in this entire thing. And I can see in my mind that at the end of the story, she runs off into Sidecar to go get her husband, and he's still sitting there going. I still don't have any water. <laughs> it's not that big of a request, is it? Give me a drink of water. Just a, just a small little introduction. Chances are Jesus was completely fine with it anyway, right? Knowing Jesus, he probably wasn't even thirsty at all. Sometimes starting a conversation is the hardest part. Is getting into it and sort of making that contact. Um, I, I sort of had problems with this throughout all of my life. Sort of that opening salvo of opening a, a, a relationship. I have been charged more than once of being snooty. Which is funny because if you know me, you know I'm not snooty. I'm scared of you. <laughs> There's nothing snooty about fear. Every once in a while people go, the pastor's always so snooty. He's no stuck up. I, years ago, I had a woman in my congregation. She got mad at me and she yelled at me. She goes, and, and once more, you never come to my house. I was like, well, you've never invited me to your house. And she goes, like, but, but you're the pastor. I don't have to invite you to my house. You're the pastor. You can come over whenever you want. So the next morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, I got up and I went to her house. I'm here for coffee. All right, that's not true. I did not do that. I would never do that. There's a lot of things in my life I would like to do that I haven't done that I'll probably never do. I've never read Edgar Allan Poe's complete works. I still don't know how to build a bookcase. You know, these are things that I'd like to do that I, that I haven't done. Um, just a, a little note. If you need me, call me. I'm, I'm more afraid of you than you are of me. I promise. Just let me know what you need. I'm pretty good with hurdles. If you tell me that there's a target or a hurdle, get over. I'm pretty good with getting over it. It's called assertiveness. Just, just tell me, and it'll be, it'll be a whole lot easier because I can't read anybody's minds. Jesus asks for what Miss Samaritan should be asking from Jesus, which is a drink of water, a drink of everlasting life. She should be asking what we should be asking for. And a not so subtle reminding of us that we actually don't know what we need from God until God tells us what we need. We need an opinion from outside of ourselves. And we always need opinions from outside of ourselves. I don't know, men, how many of you do this, but I do this all the time, right? When I get dressed for a fancy event or something, and I get dressed and I go to my wife and I say, how do I look? Because I need to know, because I, I should not dress myself. I'll wear tan shoes, black pants, a green shirt, and, and a blue blazer. Because uh, 
I don't, I don't really care how I look for the most part. So I need, I need an external opinion to tell me what I look like. And God provides that through law and gospel. He tells me what I look like. We don't know what we need until God tells us what it is that we need. We beg Jesus for salt and instead He gives us water. We beg for a serpent and instead He hands over a fish. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. I mean, who knew that was on the menu? If you knew the gift of God, if you knew that, nothing else would really matter. For you would have Him who is everything. Were they to take our life? Goods, fame, child, or spouse? If they were to take our seminary, if they were to take our synod, if they were to take our, our congregations, if they were to take our salary, if they were to take our health care plans, if they were to take all of the toilet paper in the entire world, they still would have won nothing. And we would have everything. But this is the promise of Christ our Lord. And that promise remains. That living water remains in our life. Jesus has given us, He has washed us through the renewal of water and the word of our baptism. If you knew the gift of God, you would laugh at that huge pile of dung that you have christened success in this world. If you knew the gift of God, you would let the world damn you for your five unsuccessful marriages. And for the other 500 skeletons that you have shoved into that ethereal closet of yours. For you have been accepted by God. The husband. The bridegroom of God who will not let you go. He has buried your skeletons. He has banished your sins. And He has bequest unto you the gift of eternal life. If you knew the gift of God, you'd reject all the poison the bartender of hell tries to shove your way. And you'd slack your thirst in one place and only one place, in the fountain of living waters of life, cascading from the side of the upraised body of the temple of our Lord Jesus Christ, despised and disposed and destroyed, and yet risen three days later. Like water from a rock. For one greater than Jacob has come. She asks that. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Yes. Yes, I am. The patriarch Jacob worked seven years. Actually, he didn't even work seven years. He worked seven years and then he worked an extra seven years. Fourteen years in total to gain his beloved Rachel. But our Jacob worked harder. Our Jacob worked longer 
Or Jacob worked himself into death in order to wed himself to those that were so uglified by sin that they make Leah look like the trophy wife. Or Jacob worked harder. He labored to gain Miss Samaritan. He labored to gain Miss Gomer. He labored to gain Miss Jezebel. And all of you who are their twin sisters. He labored to make them his wife. The bride. The church. For our Jacob loved his church. And he gave himself up for her. That he might beautify her. Having cleansed her by the washing of the living waters. From the river of life that come from a new and a better Eden. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? You are. You who are flesh of his flesh. You who are bone of his bone. You who drank from the well that he dug with his very own hands and feet. You who dine at his table. You who have been invited to drink from his cup. Which we'll put back after the corona scares is gone. <clears throat> to you our Jacob has pledged his undying love and fidelity. To you, you who are fairest of them all. His kisses are grace. He has healed our scars. And He has brightened our eyes. And He has transformed you from beasts into beauties. So come unto me, you fellow Samaritans. That good news. That good news that comes from that well of Sychar. That good news is not just for one person. That good news is for the whole town of Sychar. Forgetting her past, she invites others to come and see. Come and taste for themselves. Come and see the man who told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? It wasn't really about her, was it? It wasn't about what God might or might not be doing in her life. It was plain and a simple witness wrapped up in an invitation to come and see. This is the word of Jesus who himself said, Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. This is the promise of your husband to Jesus Christ, that he will stand up for you. On the last day, he will speak for you. Your sins will not condemn you because they have been expunged in the blood of the Lamb. And that good news is out there for more than just us. I'm told there's a survey out there. I haven't seen it. I've heard about it. It's one of those things that get banded around at pastoral conferences. They say there's a survey out there that says non-churched people are willing to give church a try. It's just that nobody's ever asked them. I'm not sure if I buy it. I'm not sure if I believe it. But I do know this. Visitors to church come at three really interesting times of the year. The, the big time is New Year's Eve. 
The services right after the beginning of the... It's almost like it's a spiritual gym. right? People are like, alright, it's New Year's, we're going to get into shape. And so they go to the gym two or three times and they try church once. Well, I tried it. The other big time is at Christmas because of all the lights and the tradition and the sounds. It just sort of sounds like even non-church people are like, well, it's... Seems like we're missing a part of our celebration. Let's go, let's go try, try a church. It always amazes me every time I do the visitor logs for, uh, Christmas, for, for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. You end up with all these visitors you've never seen and you never see them again. But the other time is at Lent and Easter. Especially in a Lent and Easter like this. Where things are up in the air. And there's a lot of people going, I don't know what's going to happen over the next week. I don't know what's going to happen next month. They're hoarding toilet paper of all things. How fearful can you be? Come and see. Come and see. It's a... It's almost as easy as give me a drink of water. Come and see. Come and see the man who already knows everything that you ever did. Come and see the man who already knows about your thirst and hunger for righteousness. Come and see the man who already knows everything about your sin. Come and see the man who not only knows who you are, really knows who you are, but did something about it. With two pieces of wood and three nails and a thorn of a crown of thorns. Come and meet the man who's willing to die for you, that you might have eternal life. Come and see. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.